0: Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi, Shannon. Shannon.
1: Hi, I'm Erin, and I'm a book hoarder.
0: Hi, Hi, Erin.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to Book Hoarders Anonymous, episode forty-eight. All right, are, are we like officially four years old? Well, I guess we um, probably we we are because we started in January or February of two thousand and thirteen. So we have been three or four years old now for a couple of months. <laughs> for it doesn't a while. seem possible yes. for a while. <laughs> yes, four years old. We've been three years old for over a year, and four years old for four months, four on four. So. um Indeed, four years old. Happy fourth birthday belatedly to book orders. Yay. No, I'm not singing. Um no. <laughs> <laughs> This is Aaron.
0: And this is Shannon.
1: And we are here to discuss all things books, a little bit of news, a little bit of books, a little bit of activity surrounding the question, which we'll talk about later. But first let's talk about my reads for the month. We started with your reads last time, so we'll flip it around. And it has been a little more than a month. It's been about six weeks. Because of our schedules. But, um, let's see. What have I even read? I, I was so happy. Um, because when this month, well, when, when we did the last book orders podcast, I was in the midst of binge listening to, um, a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale. And while I was binge listening to that, I realized that I hadn't read either of the Night Vale books. So I went on Bookshare. And I got the first one, which is called Welcome to Nightvale. And they're books. You don't have to have listened to the podcast in order to really enjoy the books. Um, you have to enjoy the, the brand of genre, but not necessarily the books. Um, and Nightvale is this little sleepy town in Arizona, in the middle of the Arizona desert. And it's like a, it's like Twin Peaks meets the Twilight Zone. Um, the, and and the brand of humor is kind of satirical, kind of dark. In in a way, these these podcasts and books are commentaries on society. Um, and and we've got vague yet menacing government agencies. We've got um various weird supernatural things that happen, uh, and it's just loads of fun. So the podcast has been around for about five years or so, I think. Um, and the books there. Well, there are there is one book, and another book is coming out this fall. The podcast crew also does live shows around the country and around the world, which I think is totally fantastic. Um, and I wanted to go to the live show that was in Durham, but I just, which is relatively near me, but I just didn't make it, which kind of made me sad, but that's okay. Um, anyway, all this to say that Welcome to Night Vale, um, is the f- name of the first book by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner, who are the writers of the podcast. And in Welcome to Night Vale, it's basically a mystery story, um, about two women and, uh, Diane and Jackie, who are both different ages from different parts of town, different walks of life, all this stuff. And they both end up being connected by these, by this guy who is mysteriously appearing around town in all these different places. And no one can really, no one really knows any, anything much about him except that all these people are seeing him. Um, but he is particularly, he is the man in the tan jacket for anyone who, <laughs> who listens to the podcast. And, uh, this is his first introduction to Night Vale. So, um, he's wandering around town affecting all these people and Diane and Jackie are caught in the middle and they end up being connected to one another in ways that they didn't even know about. So this is, this first book in particular is a mystery, but it's a total like coming of age story. People ha- who don't really like each other have to work together. Um, to solve this, this mystery of how exactly they're connected and what's wrong with Night vale because something is definitely wrong with the town, like always. Um, and they have to, they have to, to solve it. Um, there are, for those of you who listen to the podcast, little bits and pieces that sound like the podcast kind of interspersed throughout the book. Um, and for those of you who don't listen to the podcast, um... I think it's still a book that a lot of people who are like sci-fi fantasy fans would enjoy. The is the writing style similar. The writing style is very similar to the podcast, Um, and it was something that took me a while, a little bit to get used to because I'm used to this is Cecil Baldwin for Night Vale Community Radio. You know, like the radio announcer Mm -hmm. is supposed to be doing the podcast. So I thought, well, is this going to be in like Cecil's voice? Is he going to be narrating it? But really, he's not. It's it's like a third person narrative. But it's definitely in the same style. Now, what I did do was I got the book from Bookshare originally and was reading in Braille on my Braille display. And it was okay, but I just missed Cecil. For those of you who listen to the podcast, I missed Cecil Baldwin talking and, and, you know, so I went on Audible and I got the Audible version, which is him narrating the book. Narrating
0: it. Yeah, and, that's um, the only way to do yeah, it. Yeah, and huh? that was
1: fun. Now, I mean, you know, if you're not Night Veil vale podcast listeners, it won't bother you if you don't. But um it really adds a whole new dimension to it. Now, I did pre-order the second book on Audible, which is called I don't remember. Anyway, it comes out in October and um it's it's about the conflict between religion uh and social order, which I find a really fascinating concept and I love reading books about it. So it's going to be something that's right up my alley. I, it, I guess they all start worshiping. Some people start worshiping the smiling God and some people don't and there's this big conflict around it. So, um, it should be fun and it comes out in October and uh, that's the first time I've ever pre-ordered a book. So I hope it doesn't fall short of my expectations. um, Speaking of religion and social order, I read another book on that very same subject called Elijah by William W. Stevens, or was it William H. Stevens? One of those Stevenses. It's got a middle initial of some sort. Uh, and of course it's about, you guessed it, the prophet Elijah back in his day and his struggle with Jezebel, um, for, uh, you know, whose God is best, basically. Um, Jezebel, for those of you who don't know, was a queen in, um, the ancient world in Israel from Phoenicia and she really isn't that bad of a person. She's just, she's a different religion than Elijah. So whose religion is going to win out basically hers or his. And the book delves into that and talks about the, the struggle and brings in a lot of the characters that you, you know, hear in the Bible and there's like one sentence about them. So the guy has to challengingly develop them into people, which is really kind of interesting. Um, I felt very preached at though, when I read the book, which is fine because I kind of expected it, it was written in the Mm seventies and the tone was just a bit different than these kinds of books are now, but it did make, he did make the characters very human and, and very, um, I mean, Elijah had his own conflicts. He wasn't certain all the time anyway, um, about how this was all going to turn out. And so, you know, that, that was good, but it was, it was, you know, kind of preachy and, um, I I did find it. I mean, I finished it, and I did enjoy it, but I don't think it was one of the most spectacular things I've ever read. It was just kind of interesting, huh? Interesting. Okay. Um. The the sort scenes about with the human sacrifice and the whole like copulation after the sacrifices is a little bit um hard to digest for some of you who might find that sort of thing offensive, and it it does become rather um you know, uncomfortable at times, but, um, I, I did enjoy the book. I don't know if these scenes were overblown, although the author says that he did research on what was done in the religious practices of the day and he's not making this stuff up and yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't know about that, but, uh, it can be a little uncomfortable for those of you who, so just, you know, warning there. Um, and the last book that I want to talk about I read some nonfiction, but it's nothing that I want to talk about on the podcast because it was it's only interests a very small portion of people probably. But um, the last book I want to talk about is called The Fire Sermon by Francesca Francesca Haig. This one is a, a, cha- a book I took a chance on on Audible in one of those two-for-one sales. And I'm glad I did. Um, I don't know anything else by this author. I think she may be relatively new. But this is kind of like a – it's a – kind of young adultish book i say ish because the person in the book is is a little bit older than we would think of i mean she's not high school age or anything but um this explores the bond between twins twin siblings in a future world where some kind of radioactive event like happened hundreds of years ago so society's pretty much recovered but the human species is is very changed and a lot of births happen twin twin births and so one twin is not is normal as we would see it and another twin is somewhat has got some kind of defect um or in some cases some kind of ability um cassandra oddly enough is a seer and she is the twin who has the the defect she sees visions um and so she gets basically outcast from society as a defective and oh, by the way, defectives are sterile. They can't have children. Um, and so it's, it's a very interesting exploration of the bond between twins because twins need each other physically. If one sickens, the other sickens. If one is starving, the other one will sicken. I mean, you know, if one's living in a a society Mm -hmm. where they starve, then the other one will mysteriously starve, even though they're, they're eating and everything seems to be fine. Um, and so the regular people have to support the society of defectives that they tend to shun. So they keep them in sort of like an outcast fringes kind of state um, because they have to, they have to keep them alive. And so it's a really interesting um exploration of, of how this bond works when her twin brother needs her um, for his political purposes and there's a lot of politics and intrigue and some mystery and she tries to help people who are there, um, who are even more outcasts than the outcasts that she finds. Um, there are some scenes of torture and they can be a little bit graphic for those people who find that uncomfortable. I'll just throw that warning out there. But um, I, I thought it was a really interesting book, and I'm glad I read it. And I I will check out things by this author if she if I find things that she has written again. Again, this was just one of those stumble upons. And I listened to the sample and went, oh, that could be good. Click. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, what I read last month, um, I it's funny that you talked about religion because I did too. I read a nonfiction book called uh, Mystics and Messiahs, and oh, I think his name the author is Philip. James or maybe James Phillips. I don't know. I'll look it up um, and okay. put it in the show notes. Um But I know that they're that one of those that Philip is in there somewhere. <laughs> um, and it basically his premise is that, you know, weird religious movements have always been a thing that America has has dealt with uh-huh. and that they're it they kind of go in cycles where you start out with like this fringy, wacky group that's that people think are weird and and then they kind of become mainstream and you know then then like something something else kind of comes and rises up to take its place and so he talked about how um and the backlash has has of different religious group movements has has been pretty consistently um the same throughout history. Mm -hmm. It's just that we are, that the backlash is against different groups. Right. So, you know, he talked about how, um, you know, back in, in the days, you know, like the Quakers, they were seen as, as a a weird Mm fringe. And now they're, you know, I don't know that they're exactly respectable, but they're, you know, they're certainly more mainstream, if if any, you know, Mm -hmm. a, a very small sect, now, but they're definitely not, you know, like, what are right. the the weirdest things ever? Mm-hmm. And he talked about how, um, uh, like, the Jehovah's Witnesses and um, the the Pentecostals kind of mm-hmm. went through the same, this, and, you know, now Pentecostals are maybe one of the highest draws, the most, yeah. Uh, yeah, powerful, not powerful, but most pop, plentiful, like, Christian Christian groups in the country these days. Mm-hmm. But they started, they definitely, you know, holy roller was not a, a complimentary term right. <laughs> back in the day. Um, So I thought it was really fascinating. And, you know, he talked a, a little bit about, you know, um, like the eighties when they had the, the satanic panics about, Oh my God, you know, Satanists and the yeah. daycares or whatever. And most of that was, he, he said that, that a lot of that was just totally, you know, overblown and, and there was nothing to like, when they, when they kind of looked into it, you know, the, the, these people were claiming that there had been Satanists, um, you know, practicing hidden, hidden in, in, you know, doing devil worship and sacrifices for (laughs) like decades. And he's like, but if you look at the like history of religious, weird religious movements back in the 1930s, you know, when they're claiming these things started up, there's nobody's complaining about devil worshipers. So, right, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
1: I actually had a daycare center employee tell us a story as a scare tactic one time. Um, and it did scare me at the time. But then when I got in and, and it was like, he, he said, this is something I actually saw, but I don't really think he saw it. Um, yeah like out, out in the backwoods of Tennessee he he stumbled upon this building and there was like a bible and chains over the door and like all this stuff yeah. and I'm like uh-huh and at the time I was like nine or something so I was very impressionable and it had scared me and then a couple of years later I thought about it I was like yeah right
0: <laughs> well and then there were like you know there were people like um like I remember listening to my grandparents were fond of this guy Mike Warnke, who was a a Christian I think he, he like did a lot of Christian comedy uh-huh. but his whole spiel was that he used to be a Satanist Oh my goodness he found god and then like you know they people looked into it mm-hmm. and and they wrote a book which is not on Kindle but I would love to read it where they were where you know they were like well no, he 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 was a con artist. He made mm-hmm.
1: up yeah
0: out of whole cloth all that stuff. And, and so you know they're saying that like like a lot of the the things that people you know were claiming were happening in these like satanic groups or you know people were largely reading like the Mike Warnke type of things and yeah, yeah that's the or fiction mm-hmm. you know like they talked about how like H P Lovecraft you know he was writing about <laughs> about oh. cults yeah. You know, so if you read some H.P. Lovecraft and you're just like, yeah, that's, (laughs) that could happen. Sure. (laughs) So I thought that was really interesting and it was, it was kind of written in a little bit of an act, more of an academic style than I would have liked, but it was, Mm -hmm. it was really fascinating. And Mm -hmm. now I want to go like look up some of these people, um, that the, that the book talks about in, in more detail, um, so that was my my nonfiction read, mm-hmm. and um, I never read a whole lot either, to be to be honest. And what I have read, um, like hasn't been super great. <laughs> <laughs> so I I did read um like a couple of a couple of romances. I'll talk about. I've been really enjoying this um. This, this series of books by Courtney Milan, the Brother Sinister series. Oh, yeah. And I read the, I, um, I read, I think there are like four, um, novellas or novels in that series, mm-hmm. and I read two of them, um, The Duchess War and The Heiress Effect. And they are historical romances, um, but the, what I like about them is that she, Courtney Milan is coming at them from a very feminist point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's all about these, it, the, the journeys of the, the heroines to kind of find their, their places in, in society and not, uh, like in the heiress effect, the, the heroine of that book is this very loud, um, opinionated young woman who, like, has a lot of money, um, and she's, like, you know, but she doesn't, and so people have, have, you know, been wanting to, like, overlook the fact that she's sort of the way she is. Cause they want, you know, like, you know, they, if she marries somebody, then, like, they get all that, all that mm-hmm. sweet, sweet money. Um, so she's kind of had to make herself as unlikable as she possibly can. And then he, and then the hero of that book is is this guy who was born a, a duke's bastard and he's, you know, so he's, he's trying to, to get up in the ranks of like parliament and, and, you know, have a, an, am, like an ambitious political career. And so he needs like a respectable woman, but he's drawn to this one instead, yeah. Um which, you know, of course, cause that's a romance. Um, but I just, I liked it. I thought that it was, um, I thought it was, was my favorite out of the series so far because it's, you know, basically all about them both kind of having to figure out that they do have to be true to themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to find happiness with each other. Um, So I thought that was really cute. And um, let's see, the last thing I read um, that I finished was a cute little... Male male romance called Guardian by Sierra Riley which I got on I think it was either free or ninety-nine cents when I bought it on Kindle. And um it's the one guy is a an attorney, a family law attorney. <laughs> um and he is hired by this this really big gruff auto mechanic who is raising his his niece um when her biological father Kind of comes back into the picture and so, you know, they have to, you know, they end up being very attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. But Of course, the author does acknowledge that that would be a very bad idea while they're still oh. <laughs> in, in a business relationship, which I did appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like, they very carefully don't do anything until... After, <laughs> after that's
1: over with. That's good. That's
0: over. Mm-hmm. But it was... And, and so, I don't know, like, you know, I'm not the lawyer, so I don't know how accurate any of that it's was. very
1: frowned upon. <laughs> let's just say.
0: Yeah, I mean, or how... I mean, like, except for the, the you know, like, client-attorney-getting-together thing, which I was super glad that they... <laughs> she was careful to like let that happen after they stopped you know, working for <laughs> working for each other. Um but I don't know how how good the law is, but the story itself was um a very pleasant couple of hours to, to pass the time and it was mm-hmm. it was sweet and it was cute. Oh nice. So and then <laughs> and then I read this book. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I really don't have a segue into the news. And let's just say segue into the news and go with that. (laughs) Um, Talk about the news. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, what's new? Anyway, um, this month is National Poetry Month. That didn't make it into the news, um, into what I put in the document, but it is National Poetry Month in April. And I did not do anything special for National Poetry Month, but, um, I do know a lot of people who went to these like weird poetry slam things. Where uh-huh. people read that's poetry. So. They're not weird. It's just, it's not something I've ever been to. Um, a lot of it is like, I guess, hip hop poetry that's read. Um, uh-huh. and other people read, you know, the stuff they've written. And I had a friend go and she said, Oh my God, it was so depressing. All the stuff people read was depressing. Um, so i don't know if that's like a trend or if that's always the way it is but in her view she wouldn't go again if it was going to be depressing so i'm kind of like want to avoid all these things if they're that depressing so anyone who's ever been to a poetry slam just you know like throw your input in there are they always really depressing poetries or are there poetries yeah i know i made up a word poetries um that are happy that um that you know occur during those things i have to say whenever i've been moved to write poetry it's always depressing so i wonder if that's kind of like a a a trend you
0: know i bet it is a lot of poetry is depressing anyway (laughs) i bet that like shell silverstein and you know all those people that write poetry for kids i bet they have a super like (laughs) shell
1: silverstein was a grumpy guy he was a big grouch like he was, if you but ever but saw him interviewed but he wrote funny <laughs> hysterical kids poems which was it was so anachronistic um and and funny so i don't know but anyway um national poetry month I uh, have a, read a little of Shakespeare. Na- National Poetry
0: <laughs> <laughs> Month at work. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's how I celebrated it. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, I, I did read parts of, um, I did read some Mary Oliver poetry, although it wasn't in celebration of National Poetry Month, but, um, her book, American Primitive, I, I read parts of it. That was kind of, she writes wonderful stuff, so I was glad to read that. Um, and glad Bookshare has a lot, of, a big selection of Mary Oliver poetry, which surprised me. Um, Let's see. The the next news story it is um the National Book Festival at the University of Southern California campus. Apparently this is a California thing I didn't know about. Um it was at this other campus and they moved it to USC this year and uh, USC is one of the two oldest non-religious institutions in Los Angeles. The article felt compelled to point that out, which I thought was interesting. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, apparently this National Book Festival is a good thing. And they have marching bands playing Pat Benatar music and lots of book and publishing people around. And it's a lot of fun if you want to sh- go all the way to California. But I think it ends like today. So it's, you know, the last week in April. So you probably will miss it by the time the podcast comes out. But something to think about for next year, I guess. Um, and let's see. The Belize industry book, no, Belize book industry association is hosting its own book festival, uh, the last week in April. And the theme for this year is readers are leaders. Uh, and it's held. In, well, in Belize, because that's the country it's in, but um apparently, it's kind of like a similar thing. People get together, and there are exhibitors and publishers and authors that attend and have their books and try to sell you stuff and um you know that goes on um apparently, it recurs every it's been recurring every year for the past several years, and I just put it in there because most of our news is from the u s and I thought yeah. that it would be a good thing to include news from other countries, so keep it there. Um, otherwise I don't have anything newsworthy to report whatsoever.
0: No, it was a slow news month. It seems to be. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so
1: the homework, we'll finally get to that for this month was on silver wings by Mary Verges, all about women, um, in world war II in the air force. Um, and I read the edition that was on Bard or listen to shall i say and i just i want to get it this out of the way i thought the narrator was horrible
0: no she was I, okay good <laughs> I, I think that i think that that was that was the real like 90% of the struggle that i had with this mm-hmm. book maybe 80% of the struggle i had yeah. with the book is that i just found her like she wasn't bad but she was definitely not a professional narrator and and you could tell right and, and so you know it was just it was i I found her very difficult to listen to for long periods of time. So. Yeah, I
1: did too. It <laughs> took me a while to finish the book. Um, and I I found a lot of the characters who were, well, this was basically, it was a nonfiction book about what I just said, women's involvement in World War II in the Air Force or Army Air Force, as it was called back then, Um between 1942 and 1944, ferrying, Planes back and forth, to different parts of the world, teaching airmen how to fly, all this kind of stuff in these, in these non-combat roles, um, in, in the various, you know, at various points. Um, and it was, it was non-fiction. It's rather anecdotal. Um, a lot of, I think it was written because a lot of the information had previously been classified after the war. Um, <laughs> and so it was written after the information was unsealed in the early 1980s. Um, but I found some of the characters kind of unlikable, and I really wish I'd like them better
0: <laughs> i I struggle with it too, for the like there were also way too many of them I, I know like she was really trying to um like like I feel like it would have been better if they had if the, if she had focused on maybe one or two people um but she kind of. It, like I felt like I, after a while, I was a bit confused. Okay, how did we? Who know are this these person? people again? And, yeah. And the other thing that I that bothered me, that I'll just just say, like when I I was a little predisposed to being irritated with this book was that Barry Goldwater wrote the introduction for it, which basically consisted of, "Yeah, I I served with those those women pilots in in, in the war, and you know, for women, they were pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was super patronizing, and I, don't know, and I think that, that, like, maybe that's also 30 years, you know, what would it have, have read like today? Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, and maybe this is about, the, this was pretty good for 1980, but I was just like, F you, very cold water, thanks. I really could have just done without, like, that entire, and, and it really kind of made me, Um, like very a little more negatively predisposed to the book than I might have been, and then you know it's like all this emphasis on like you know how pretty the women were. Mm. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, but could they fly an airplane? That's that's really the important part. (laughs) I'm not here to read about fashion models during World War II. Then I would want to know. (laughs) And then it
1: was kind of like, yeah, they're pretty, and they can fly a plane, so they're so accomplished. Yeah. And they have to be pretty. That's like part of it. And then she pointed out something like, due to the starchy diet, she had become one hundred and seventy five pounds.
0: She was not pretty anymore. Exactly.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just, I mean, I think what she was trying to do was a good thing. Yeah. Um. Obviously, bring bring these women out into the open, and maybe that's why she focused on too many. But I, I found, I think, more than the patronizing attitude, which I kind of. I was able to ignore for the most part because it was night. It was in the eighties, number one. And number two, I expected it. I mean, I kind of geared myself up for it before I started reading the book. So, yeah. um, I was able to, to ignore some of that. But what really annoyed me was that she was focusing on like way too many people. And I'm like, wait a minute, you were just talking about Cornelia and now you're talking about some person named Nancy and then you're talking about some person named Jackie. Oh, and, and we're back to Nancy again. And by the way, who's this Martha person? And like, how do we I know was these people?
0: A bit confused, and Like I still am not entirely sure I understood like what Nancy's problem with Jackie was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I did either. Um I although if I if 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 I had been in her position, I probably would have had a problem with, with Jackie
0: just well, because of her personality.
1: Like, but it um It sounds
0: like there were there was plenty of justification for people to have problems with Jackie, but
1: But yeah, I mean I just, and maybe it would have been less confusing had I sat and read the book in, in one installment to keep track of everyone, but, you know, I was reading it in, in several different installments and I'm like, wait a minute, these are days apart, I've forgotten who this person was. Um, so I think the, the that and the narrator are my two main struggles, and some of the patronizing attitude did get on my nerves, like and and some of the way i mean obviously the way that they were just sort of forgotten about and yeah they were just sort of classifying the information why was that even necessary i guess for the time you know they i didn't want to give women credit for anything so it was kind of like the whole hidden figures thing all over again mm-hmm. um but i just i felt that that it had gone a little overboard to to wipe it out of existence and it was very saddening obviously very heartening to to know that people are upset for that mistake and are trying to make up for it with the book and, and declassifying the information, but still, um, and, and trying to undo the damage as it were, but still it was, it was very distressing to, to learn that that had, that people had felt the need to do that in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, you know, like all I have to say about it. Um,
0: it it was not a very, it wasn't really a book that seems to like, lead to a whole lot of discussion
1: (laughs) no no and and i you know i picked it because the whole hidden figure is the movie maybe i should have picked the book but um i picked it because that movie had just come out and it was like huh i wonder if there's any other stuff kind of like this that's been going on you know the, the the discovery of dna was by a woman but we don't know that we only know you know the two guys and so what else can we unearth and uh, this was it, but um, there's not a whole lot to discuss about it. I feel like that's a lot of the, with nonfiction, the reason that I don't pick it a lot to read here on the podcast is it doesn't really lead to much discussion. Kind of like, okay,
0: this happened. Yeah, that was a um, book we read. Yeah, that was a
1: book we read had some facts in it. Okay. <laughs> um. So one last thing that I think we need to do is the question. And this time we're turning the question on its head. So we're not asking the question. We're asking for your questions. Um, I got this idea from the Get Booked podcast, which is basically readers writing in to ask for book recommendations. So I guess in a way we are asking for questions. We're asking if you would like us to recommend books to you. And if so, um, write us an email and let us know. That, I'm, that, so that that make sense? Uh, yeah, bhapodcast
0: BHA at gmail.com. <laughs> yes,
1: bhapodcast at gmail.com, or you can send us a tweet on Twitter at bookquarters, um, like Kathy Blackburn has done. Thank you, Kathy, for sending us possible news stories of interest. We appreciate that. Um, and if you want to go to our website, which needs updating desperately, yeah, I, I know, I know. It's, um, bhapodcast.com.
0: Uh, we should talk about our our homework for next month.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> we don't want to neglect I, that.
0: I did what I always do when I'm like, I don't know what book we should read, and I <laughs> went searching through my TBR pile and my wish list on Bard. Yay! Because often they're the same thing, right? <laughs> and so um, we're going to be reading *The City Not Long After* by Pat Murphy. It is a site. It is a post apocalyptic book. Um. And it is short. <laughs> um it so it's not the stand.
1: <laughs> Woo. <laughs> and
0: the whole the whole thing is that that, you know, the country is kind of collapsed and, and mm-hmm. there's this group of sort of artist types in San Francisco and there's this general that's been trying to kind of you know, bring the whole West Coast under his domain, and San Francisco is not super into that. And mm-hmm. so um they they try to uh Pose a peaceful, nonviolent resistance, and I thought that was really interesting because it seems like a lot of post-apocalyptic fiction tends to be about like people fighting each other in yeah. some, some way. and that's awesome. So I thought this would be a, an interesting take on it, and we'll see what it's uh, what it's like. I've heard really good things about it. Well, I
1: hope it's good because so much, like you said, of science fiction these days is about post-apocalyptic wars over resources and. Who survives the Holocaust? You know.
0: Either that or it's like dystopian fiction where like the government is set up in a way that, that like no, no government would ever be set up.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Like, we're going to outlaw love. Yeah. The good luck with that.
1: <laughs> or, or the, the, um, um, you're only allowed. What is that book? It, it's by. I, th- I don't remember even who it's by, but it's like you're only allowed to be active certain days of the week because there are so many people in the world, and so you have to go oh, into your capsules.
0: Yeah, what is that called? Oh. I I know I I was just just reading about that book, and and I don't remember.
1: I don't remember what it is either. Oh my god. But-
0: you know, I, but um, there was one I saw today that on 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 sale for Kindle that was like you know because the the population has gotten so big you in order for you to survive to adulthood between the ages of sixteen and eighteen you have to kill somebody else. Oh my god! I was like, no, I cannot. Like, who, no. How did that uh-uh. pass a committee in Congress? Yeah, I that uh uh-uh. that's not happening.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, so that's horrible. Questions
0: so many questions about that but anyway this this, i hope is going to be um better about that and i was really drawn to the fact that it was um that pat murphy is a woman Mm -hmm. so it's you know not your typical military post-apocalyptic thing and and i was i really hope that the like the non-violent peaceful protest thing like i i I hope that that works out pretty interesting (laughs) yeah so We'll read The City Long After by Pat
1: Murphy for next time. And if you want us to recommend you a book or if you have questions for us about anything book related, let contact us know. Contact us. Contact let us. us. Uh, exactly. Uh, and so if you want to do that, like we said, bhapodcast at gmail.com, book orders on Twitter. Our website is bhapodcast.com. You can also contact us personally on Twitter. I am Aaron Edgar on Twitter, and Shannon is Song on Twitter. On Twitter, yep. And until next time, we can safely say bye-bye. Bye. To contact the book hoarders, send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter and visit the website at bhapodcast.com.